Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Flowpath. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. I am your host, Griffin Hamilton, and today's guest, Dan Clapper, joins from Interplay Learning. Dan, how are you doing? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It is Friday morning, and it's a little chilly here in Atlanta, but I can't complain because you're in Utah, so uh, I'm sure uh, my cold is uh, nothing compared to what you're dealing with. <laughs> yeah, Chile is relative, I guess. It's probably 30 degrees here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. uh, And I'm I'm excited to talk about what you guys are doing at Interplay, uh, really the importance of of learning and development, ongoing training for technicians. Uh, But before we get into that, why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what it is you do at Interplay? Sure. Sure. So I, I grew up in the trades. My dad had his own HVAC company when, when I was a kid. Um, he since through his career became a director of facilities and grounds and just retired. So I've, I've been in the trade space and understand the faci- facility space probably my whole life. Um, worked for a bunch of manufacturers, traveled the country, have been in a thousand mechanical rooms, you know, spoke with facility directors and technicians and the whole nine. And then with Interplay Learning, um, what I really love is just the availability to have training online, on demand. We build some really cool simulations. So it's I, I, I get to like help the industry grow through learning. And that's what I love to do. Yeah. And, and with that, I want you to provide some context on what exactly Interplay is and, and the technology that you guys have, because it is, it's fascinating. And we are at this uh, interesting intersection of technology and the trades, um, you know, in 2023, going into 2024, just the importance of technology has never been, uh, you know, more relevant. Um, and so what you guys, like I said, at Interplay, you're doing some really cool things. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, really the big differentiator, what we do is simulations. So if you think of simulations have been around forever, we, we don't stick a, you know, a, a brand new pilot in a helicopter and let them take off. You know, they have to, mm-hmm. they have to go into this big expensive simulator and, and practice all the maneuvers a bunch of times before they take off. And they, they do it for safety and muscle memory. Right. So, so what we tried to do is model that in the trade space to where we can do, we can let people practice on equipment in a safe environment. They can get in the reps over and over again. So they're not practicing on your, your live equipment in your building. Like they, they're, they're getting the process. So it's, it's really what I like to call before the job training, what before the job training can I do? So when we do the on the job training, we're super effective. Yeah. And that's interesting because I've heard this time and time again, where it's hard to, replicate what you're doing out in the field by reading about it and going through textbook courses. It really does take getting your hands dirty to, to understand how to properly, you know, troubleshoot and resolve issues. Um, so I guess talk to me about the, the start of, of Interplay and, and the idea of, 
get going a step further beyond the you know textbook training and prepping to make sure that on the job training is as effective as possible. Yeah. So, well, well, first of all, there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, if you, if you, most of the time we do on the job training, it's a senior technician who maybe has never had experience in educational, like educational background of how to actually properly teach through Bloom's taxonomy and the proper way to learn. Like there's a lot of L and D elements that, I mean, my dad, when he was teaching me, he'd throw a wrench at me. Like that's just not the right way to teach someone, you know? (laughs) So I'm assuming for assistance, not just throwing it at you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so it's taking learning and development principles to help on the job perform better. And if, if you think of how, and then the second style of it is, you know, most video training, if you've ever worked for a corporation and you have to like email phishing and all these like just boring video courses, like you watch a video and you click A, B, C, or D, like it's, it's not really that engaging. So in a, in a simulation, in order to pass a test, like you have to know where to put the multimeter, you know, you have to literally go through the physical steps you would in the field to, to pass the course, which creates such a better retention and knowledge. And like, I always hear it. It's like learning that the technicians actually want to do, not just like check mm-hmm. the box. Sure. And, and is, is that using augmented reality, that type of technology? Probably more, probably more think about a video game. Like we create a 3d virtual environment, um, you know, we, we have people that build that like 3D assets and 3D environments. So you would go into this simulated house or this simulated mechanical room and the equipment is there, um, just like you would almost in a video game. And then behind the scenes, we we model, this is really our unique thing, is we model how the power goes through the equipment and how the me- electromechanical works. So if I turn off the power here, it will turn it off over here, things like and so when you're, when you're saying like a video game and you're actually getting your hands, like you are doing something physically and going through those actions you mentioned the muscle memory earlier. Uh, so I'm thinking of, you know, a VR headset where you have, you know, the, the nunchucks there where you are physically yeah. going, grabbing something, picking it up, twisting it. And that's exactly what this is, correct? Yeah. So when we build simulations, we, we actually build a cross platform. So VR is definitely the most immersive. I mean, I have my, it's around here somewhere. I have my headset here somewhere. Um, it probably, you know, a, a good chunk of our, our learners learn that way, but we also do it on desktop and laptop. So it's just, you know, just very similar to like a PC game. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so you, you mentioned from the, the beginning how, you know, you're, you grew up more so on the HVAC uh, side of the world. Uh, and then you mentioned your father kind of went into overall facilities. What industries and what trades uh, do you guys special in or do you have that training technology for? Yeah, I mean, we, we started in HVAC. Uh, we branched out. We have plumbing, electrical, solar. What's really fun, we've actually started doing a lot of safety content. I mean, imagine like a search and find. So instead of just watching some boring safety video that all these facilities have, like imagine going into this search and find and you have to like click where the where the safety violations are and, and 
you know, oh, that ladder is not at the right angle. And and what it is, it's it engages people to actually go through this safety training. It's super fun. And it's it, it gets you, you mentioned it's engaging, but it gets you to start critically thinking, right? Like that's exactly. something where it's not just like a, a binary yes or no. It's like, I actually have to put my thinking cap on here and evaluate the situation and understand what are those concerns. And uh, that's across the board from, from what you're telling me, where it isn't just that textbook it's right or wrong. It's yeah. you have to think through the entire scenario because that's the real world. It's all unique scenarios where you have to pull back what you've gathered, what information, what knowledge you have from your entire career and apply it. And that to me is, I don't think there's much more you could ask for from training than getting people to start getting in that habit and that routine of thinking that way. Yeah, totally. totally. And, and I think what's fun about having all the different um, trades too. One of the topics I talk about is uh, career lattising. So, you know, maybe, maybe you grew to your point, maybe I grew up as an HVAC technician like my father, but now, now I'm having more general facilities and I'm working on all sorts of things. And there's no way anyone in the facility space can know every single piece of equipment. There's just no way. I mean, every year the manufacturers are coming out with new stuff. So, mm-hmm. Like the ability to kind of cross train and and learn learn um, cross functionally all of the different components and how they work together. I mean, I've seen people that have doing it 30, 40 years and they're like, whoa, like I didn't know that that's why we do this this way. Or like right. sometimes it's learning that why too. Like, oh, they just showed me how to do it. I didn't know that that's actually why we do it. Right. No, that, that's interesting. And and I think that goes into something we've talked about quite a bit on the show has been this great resignation. And so we obviously have our, our talent pool is dwindling and there's not many folks uh, at this point, hopefully it's changing uh, to replace said talent. And so documenting that tribal knowledge is important, but making the most of your current staff. And so this sure. isn't, I think it's important to point out, this isn't for that new person coming into the, the, the trades. It's to your point, getting people to be more well-rounded. Because if you do lose an HVAC tech or a plumber, how could you use and leverage your existing headcount to to accomplish what they were doing? Yeah, totally. I think one of the statistics we hear is for every seven people leaving the industry right now, there's only two coming in through the trade schools. So that's, I mean, all these baby boomers, there's the ones retiring. My father just retired. I, I visit universities across the country, all their, you know, everyone's, everyone's worried because in the next five years, most of their talent's retiring. So right. yeah, you have to start build this, this in-house training culture to prepare for that. And, and on that, so it is, you're right. It's an, it's a culture of training and a culture that you could create with your team of being eager to learn, being hungry to learn. And this kind of shifts that mindset going from, Hey, here's a new book, uh, or who here's a new training manual to like, Hey, here is something that's interactive. And I'd be curious what, how it's been received to that mid to senior level tech that is learning uh, or cross training, like you referenced. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's the group of people. Um, I mean, we all know them that they barely even know how to use a phone. Right. So there's going to be there's going to be technology adverse people in our organizations. Those those are still kind of hard to get get into the groove of training. 
but even some of them, they, they pick it up and it's intuitive and touch screen and, you know, they, they have fun too. Um, as the younger generation comes up, my son's 11 years old, he can play VR better than I can. I mean, so it, it's a trend that's growing pretty quick. <laughs> so uh, I, I would say adoption is pretty good at the, the mid to senior tech level, and it's just going to continue to get better. What, what have you found to be some, some best practices on creating that, that type of culture with regards to ongoing training and that, that drive to, to, you know, feed that curiosity? Yeah, I think, I think one of the mistakes that most people make, and, and this is not just in the trades, I think it's almost all businesses in general, is people expect that um, their employees should go home and learn on their own time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, we're, we're in a world now where there's just so much change. I truly believe that there's ROI to train on the clock. So mm-hmm. if it's just, you know, two 30 minute sessions a week or three 20 minute sessions a week, I try to recommend at least paying an hour a week on the clock to train, if not more. And what happens is you start building that training habit and, and people just kind of expect it. It just becomes part of their routine. I've seen uh, like dispatch programs, they're actually blocking out time in their dispatch to train. Like there's a block there, right? So now now it's just part of your culture. It's not, oh, here's something extra you have to do on top of everything. Like, no, this is actually one of your job tasks. Hey, listeners, real quick. This is Alex Cummings, CEO of Flowpath, an industry-leading CMMS designed and built by operators to fit the scale of any organization. I'm excited to share with you that Flowpath now offers a tier for teams that just need core CMMS functionality on simple monthly contracts and at a price that makes sense. We call it Flowpath Core, and it runs on the same powerful Flowpath software that thousands of professionals rely on every day. So come check us out at getflowpath.com and see just how easy it is to get started with a software designed to fit your needs. Oh, and mention this ad and you'll get 10% off your core subscription. Okay, enough from me, back to the show. I would be curious on different industries that you're working with, uh, because I immediately think of the person listening that's like, well, it's easy for you to say I have, you know, half the headcount that I need. I'm fighting fires left and right. Hell, I can't even do PMs. How am I supposed to throw in training on top of that? Uh, it very much is chicken or the egg, right? Where it's going to help at, you know, have your team be more successful, knock out more work orders. So you can be more proactive, but taking that leap is, is, can be difficult. Uh, are yeah. you, do you see any changes or any differences across industries on that adoption of training and creating that culture? Yeah, it's tough. So one of the things we really try to work with people on is, is what, what's, your, what's your organizational goals? Are you, like, we have to figure out the organizational goal to make sure that you see why training is important. So what you were just talking about, the, one of the most important metrics we like to talk is, is job time efficiency. So if, if I can reduce the time to go, whatever it is, go change the toilet that used to take two hours and through training, I can get it down to an hour and a half with my techs or an hour. Over time, over the next 15 years, when he changes 100 toilets, guess what? That, that training is valuable. So, so if I can start tying my training to true business metrics that, that help you hit your goals, that, that's when the shift changed. That's when leadership says, I don't care if we're busy. We're still spending an hour a week and we're going to do this. 
So how, how would one go about quantifying that? Because that, that's, it's difficult to have yeah. that data and have the stats behind it to show, hey, here is what that impact was. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's it's dependent on how well their their software is or, or dispatch. I mean, you have to have some sort of data collection now to be able to improve the data. I would say, um, generally speaking, like a, a if we zoom out more, one of the ways we look at it is retention and turnover too. Like if I if if they feel more valued working for your organization because you're providing them consistent training that creates my turnover drops a lot. And there, you know, I've seen cost 30, 40, $50,000 when, when somebody leaves your company and trying to replace them. So just, right. just reducing turnover by a little bit, I can take that statistic and prove to you that it's worth it to train your people. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting way to look at it because again, I, I think a lot of, of our job and, and frankly, a lot of the, the, the purpose of this podcast, getting people to think, a little differently. And that is a perfect example there where you could look surface level as here's the time commitment and the cost of training, but what are the immediate impacts, i.e., you know, the impact of my team getting more efficient uh, and making the most of my current team, but then the auxiliary impact there being headcount and retention. And yeah. I'm sure there's countless data points out there that show the retention rate is going to be through the roof. The cost of interviewing, sourcing, hiring, training, that to your point could almost be a headcount in and of itself, let alone the time loss. Uh, and so it's getting people to start thinking about the impact a couple rungs down the ladder, uh, which not many think about. And so that's a great yeah. point to bring up. I have one more metric too. That's It's, it's probably my most important favorite metric. So the the other one, which is is a little bit less or it's a little bit harder to quantify, but I think it's just the most powerful one is it's, it's the employee morale and it's the self-confidence because if, if you can start training your, your technicians, I mean, some of them, maybe they're scared to go look at that commercial air handler because they don't know what it is, but it, through training, if I can help them build that confidence, they're actually going to be come to work happier and be more excited that they're, they're providing value and they're providing a difference. And I, I think that's that's just one of those metrics that once you start seeing that, that's when you get that real shift in culture. Mm -hmm. What what have been some other aha moments uh, that you've seen working with with different individuals and people when you bring forth this new way to to train uh, technicians and train folks in the trades? Yeah, I, I think. Um, One of the, I think one of the things is we don't know what we don't know, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot, the, the big aha moments is, I think I, we kind of said this a little bit before, but like when that senior technician goes in there and they're like, oh, that's why we do it this way. Yeah. Like sometimes one of the phrases I love hearing, like if you, some people have 40 years experience, but it's really just one year of experience repeated over and over again. Like they never actually grew their knowledge. They just had that on the job training 40 years ago. And this is the way mm -hmm. that we've always done it. <laughs> so I think the aha moment is like continuous learning is actually fun and like almost addictive to some people. <laughs> so, and the people that you want on your team. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, looking ahead and, and 
I know you guys in particular at Interplay, very much leaning into technology for training. Um, looking ahead, what other trends beyond new technologies do you see in learning and development? Yeah, I mean, the term's out there. We can't hide from it, AI, right? So <laughs> um, I think, imagine having a mentor that actually like some sort of AI mentor that had the knowledge of every single piece of equipment out there and that you could have some sort of two-way conversation with this AI mentor to just support, you know, the management and leadership on the team, just an extra resource to where all of that data you need, you can have a conversation, you can get contextual knowledge, foundational knowledge. I, I think we'll get there with, with, with learning and development. Um, there's always going to be a little bit of distrust of like, wow, this, this robot knows more than me. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, it's just, it's something we can't ignore though. I mean, yeah. I, that's how we've been using Google for the last 20 years. So it's just a different form of Google in my mind. Yeah. And it is interesting, the skepticism uh, that some people have, rightfully so. I mean, I've got, and I hope she doesn't go off, but I've got an Alexa behind me and it, you know, it's, I'm constantly being listened to. And that's something yeah. where, you know, I think a lot of people, rightfully so, are a little skeptical of that. But at the end of the day, it is technology that has gotten us to where we're at. And it's technology that's going to continue to, to have the industry leap forward. Uh, doing more with less, being more efficient. And that is something I'm excited about, but you're right. I think that's that's something that's top of mind for just about everybody right, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Dan, one last question I, I ask everybody on the show, and that is who or what has had the biggest impact on you in your career? Oh my goodness. I mean, I can see it back there. That's just a little bit. I probably have four or 500 books in my house. Um, it, without a doubt, it's John Maxwell. Quick answer. So yeah, I, I imagine out of those Not hundreds John of Maxwell, books, the, those are. Yeah. Yeah. John Maxwell is my favorite author. I mean, everyone communicates few connect is probably my favorite book. It's like such a simple yet pragmatic way is if you actually learn how to connect with people, it's so valuable. So he, he's had, he has the biggest impact. That's great. I love that. I'm going to have to add that to the collection. I've got right behind me as well, my library, uh, my miniature library, if you will. But uh, no, great answer there. And Dan, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and providing a little bit more context on what you guys are doing at Interplay. I'm going to have uh, some more information and notes um, that folks can look into in a little bit more detail if they are so inclined. Uh, so check out the, the show notes there. But once again, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, everyone listening. Uh, until next time, be good. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and follow us on LinkedIn for more facilities management content.